Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, kid folks? Welcome to the number one college football show. I'm your host, RJ Young. Today, we have a really huge show on tap for you as we did not recap Saturday night, but man, did we have some moving and shaking going on in the top 25, some statement wins, some statement losses, and what the hell is going on in the Big 12? Let's go. It's the number one college football show. So I want to get started with this. It is Sunday afternoon, and I'm still hot. I'm still just a, just a little hot, right? You know what I mean? Because I'm in Iowa City doing a live tailgate for Fox on TFU on Fox. If you watched it, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us, for sending questions to myself, to Braylon Edwards, to Sean Green, having a good time. And then I look up at halftime because I'm watching Michigan. I will talk about it here in a bit. And I looked over at Braylon, and I said, yo, dog, what the hell is this? And he just started cackling. He started cackling because the Sooners were losing to Texas Christian. And not only did the Sooners lose to Texas Christian, they got blown out by Texas Christian as the number 18 team in the country, 55 224, and I got to tell you, I watched the game on the plane back this morning, and I'm still at a loss. For, I'm not never at a loss for work, so that's a lie. I still don't understand. I, I Make it make sense, Brent. Make it make sense. Okay. Start with some news that came out of this game. Dylan Gabriel left the game in the second quarter with a violent hit to his head. He was sliding. Tackler didn't let up. He got hit. Worried about his safety most of all, right? Not so much concerned about the the hit and how terrible it was. I'm glad Dylan got up, and I'm glad Dylan is being evaluated. Then in the third quarter, lead tailback, Eric Gray goes down with an injury to his knee. He doesn't return to the game. And then in the fourth quarter, Damon Harmon also took a – he didn't take a hit. He gave a hit and ended up motionless, and it was scary as hell. Right, so scary that you delay the game, you bring in the paramedics, you stretch him off, and everybody just wants to know that he's okay. He went to the nearby hospital and was released on Saturday, and uh, x-rays were negative, but obviously Harmon has had some back issues in the past, so we were all just holding our breath on that. 
Then the final score goes, and it's 55 to 24. And all the jokes came out, you know, because uh, I'm watching Michigan, Iowa. And all of a sudden, we get Aaron Judge up at bat in front of me. I'm like, what am I? I'm, I need Ben right now. I need Verlander to tell me what's going on. I, I know that he hit 61, and he's trying to hit 62, and Braylon's all into it. And I learned that. Then I turned around, and I said, okay, who? Well, let me check Twitter. Hey, who's going to hit 62 first, Texas Christian or Aaron Judge? Dog. I, I mean, when I tell you I'm down bad, I'm down bad. You know I'm down bad? Because Kansas State and Texas Christian have combined to score 96 points in back-to-back weeks on Brent Vittable's Oklahoma Sooners. That is an average of 48 points per game. That's not defense. That is offensive is what that is. We also had some really weird stuff. Marvin Mims had not fumbled a football in three years. Fumbled a football against Texas Christian. We also got to see another quarterback rush for over 100 yards on an Oklahoma defense back-to-back weeks. Max Duggan out there like to do. That's going to be the player of the week for the number one college football show. Showed out, showed up, took on a top 25 team and roasted them. And they are in my top, well, I should say, they are 5-0 and headed into a game that we'll talk about a little bit later on against a really good Kansas team and what that means going on into October 8th. Positive for me on this is Javante Barnes had a great game, 18 rushes, 100 yards, two TDs. That's good. We'll take that. But I don't want these allusions to 55-19-2004 where Matt Leinert and Reggie Bush and basically, you know, the, the crew that works this show, USC fans, got to absolutely annihilate Oklahoma for a national championship. But it was that USC team. That USC team is legendary. We all know it. It's all, it's understood. It's okay. What's not okay is get 55 dropped on you by Texas Christian. That's not okay. That's never going to be okay at the University of Oklahoma. And that is no shade to Texas Christian. Great football team playing outstanding football in Sonny Dykes' first year following Gary Patterson stepping down and becoming special assistant head coach of Texas. It's just not what you want at Oklahoma. For the traditionalists, it's down bad. Okay. Now, Oklahoma's 3-2. and two. After starting 3-0, and 0-2 oh, oh in conference play. It feels like four losses are within reach, right? Because they got Texas coming up this weekend, and then they'll have Oklahoma State in uh, a little bit later on. And then Iowa State's good. Kansas is good. I mean, can't oh, – goodness me – West Virginia feels like the only team right now that Oklahoma should be, but I'm not even guaranteeing to say that because everybody else is kind of good. But I say three and two because in 2016, there's there's the Pollyanna Oklahoma fans going to tell you we started three and two in 2016. What happened that year? Yeah, they won 11 games. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. They even started one and two in 2016. Do you know who those losses were to? Number 16, number 15, Houston, coached by Tom Herman at the time, right? Before Tom Herman became the dude at Texas. He was a dude at Houston rocking the grill, okay? The other one, number three, Ohio State. Number three, Ohio State, number 15, Houston. That ain't Kansas State, and that ain't Texas Christian, who ain't got no numbers next to their names when they played Oklahoma. And one of those was a beloved night game, and and you'll know Oklahoma fans love a damn night game. They want nothing more than a night game. Please put us on at night, prime time. Yeah, and then they get embarrassed in prime time. By Kansas State and Brent Venables' first home game as a, in the Big 12 Conference. Miss me with all of that, okay? Now, 
you feel free as an Oklahoma player, as an Oklahoma fan, to say, cool, we're going to put this up on the bulletin board. I wish you damn well would. I, I Please, stick it everywhere. Whatever is going to light a fire underneath a defense that could not tackle. Couldn't tackle a horn frog in a phone booth. Okay? This is, it, it was shocking against Kansas State. Now it's just, it's just you're just going to be hot. It's just going to be hot. Especially as we'll get to a little bit later on, but it's very clear that Oklahoma is not the best team in the state of Oklahoma in 2022, at least so far. And it might not be the third best team if it keeps acting like this. Yeah, I said it. So I want to go from that game to the game I actually watched for the entirety and was there at Kinnick or outside Kinnick Stadium at Iowa City to go to the watch party with. And that was number four, Michigan at Iowa, Michigan with a statement win, 27 to 14. And what I thought was an outstanding showing on their behalf. Like I've said before the season, this is the game where I want to know who Michigan is. And we would get to find out who Michigan is because that non-conference schedule is so soft. And I didn't expect Maryland to be the kind of team that ends up in the Big Ten championship game in the way that Iowa could be. Iowa showed up with the best scoring defense in the entire country, averaging just 5.8 uh, points a game. And then they were able to score. So I'm going, all right, if you can get past that defense with your offense and you can do at least what everybody else has done to, to Iowa's offense, which is just keep it in check, then I will believe you for real. And that's exactly what they did, okay? They showed up, played Michigan football. They ran the ball on a defense I didn't think they could run the ball on. They fed Blake Corum the rock. J.J. McCarthy was outstanding at not just managing the game, but make throwing some darts to get them in a better field position. No turnovers from either one of those cats. One of those guys is playing for the Heisman right now. I say it's Blake Corum. It could be J.J. McCarthy because it's a pageant contest and it's not actually, you know, about necessarily who's the best football player because then we'd be just talking about that offensive line because that offensive line, especially from guard to guard, really showed up, pushed Iowa off the football and got what they wanted in their run game that was able to open up for their pass game. It was outstanding to watch. It was shocking for many Iowa fans to see that from the defense. And then I don't know what to tell them about their offense, man. I, I really don't because I got to talk to a ton of Iowa fans over the last three days, and I had great experiences with them. But my favorite was my Uber driver today, this morning, taking me to the airport. Uh, he had mentioned that producer Kat had also got into the van with him and she uh, she enjoyed her ride to the airport. And I asked him, you know, start talking football because he got on a Colts jersey. And he's an Iowa fan. And I said, okay, tell me what, what's wrong. Tell me what you want to fix. He says, I want a quarterback. I wanted the dude Cam Ward from Incarnate Word. It's like, that's not really going to happen. Eric Morris was his head coach, Incarnate Word, his offensive coordinator. He says, cool. I want Caleb Williams. That's not going to really happen because, you know, Lincoln Riley. I want a quarterback, RJ. Just stop right there. And I said, okay, what about the play calling? Yeah, all right. We could change the play calling. But what I want is for us to actually be about playing modern football. When it is when you are down two scores with 12 minutes left to play, he says, hey, why don't you just run hurry up? Why don't you pick up the pace, you know, to use the big crit line? That's a baseball reference, by the way. And I understand that. But the problem that you're going to run into is Iowa football has had this identity forever. It had this identity when Sean Green was unanimous All-American, a running back, rushed for 1,850 yards in 08. 
And it had this identity last year when Michigan stumped a mud hole in them in the Big Ten Championship 42-3. to It's just who they're going to be as long as Coach, uh, Coach Ferentz is that dude in charge. And I don't see that changing. But what's also interesting is nobody wants to see Kirk Ferentz not be the head coach at Iowa. They just want the offense to modernize and get with the times. And I got to tell you, if you were able to marry the kind of offense that Michigan plays, that Ohio State plays, that Purdue plays, with the kind of offense or kind of defense that Iowa plays, we're probably talking about them playing not just for Big Ten championships, but playing for national championships. And that's really whether or not you want to make that move, I think is up to the coach, but this is not working. That's what's clear. You can't expect the defense to bail you out of every game, especially when you're playing one of the four best teams in the country. And I get that. So outside of all of that, though, I took a look at the sideline and I looked at Sharon Moore and I said, how much longer are you going to be on the sideline at the University of Michigan? And I put this to Braylon Edwards as well. You got you would know unanimous All-American, Bolitnikoff Award winner, Big Ten MVP in 2004. And he's not concerned about Sharon Moore, perhaps getting a better job because of the staff and the way that they've been able to build it, young guys taking their opportunities. But I didn't have much faith in this staff at all. I didn't have faith in it because Josh Gaddis was the Royals Award winner last year as an offensive coordinator. He's at Miami. Mike McDonald did his bid, got him to the playoff, went back to the Ravens. Jim Harbaugh said, you know what? I'm going to elevate Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore, and I'm not going to tell anybody who calls the plays. They're just going to figure it out, and it's working. Jesse Minter comes from the Baltimore Ravens, basically run the same defense, and it's working. Young guys getting their opportunities to really go at it, and Michigan and people are paying attention. I think Sharon Moore, like Brian Hartline, is going to be one of those guys that's in line for a head coaching job. Lickety split, right? It's just going to happen for him. He had the Joe Moore Award winning offensive line in 2021. They're playing outstanding football in 2022. He is the common denominator, and I have to say it, as an Oklahoma football player, Play guard, 2006-2007, University of Oklahoma from Derby, Kansas. You're welcome, Michigan. You're welcome. We gave you a Sooner, a Sooner to help a Michigan man. Going to put that out there. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so I'm expecting great things for Sharon Moore. I wouldn't be shocked if he or Matt Weiss, I'm going to lean towards him because the offensive line are in line for the Broyles Award, giving two to Michigan in the last two years. Okay, from that game to the former number one overall team, in my rankings to why they're not. We got to talk about number one, Georgia holding off Missouri 26 to 22, but I'm watching this game at dinner and I'm like, wait a second. Did I have this right? Is, is Missouri up 10 to zero? Yes, they are. Are they turning Georgia over? Yes, they are. Are they running rampant through the Georgia defense? Yes, they are. At one point it's 16 to three Missouri. That should never happen. For Georgia, especially in Missouri, ain't nobody this year. They're two and three now. They were two and two when they started the game. And it took an effort, a real live effort, for Georgia to come back and win a game against Missouri 26 to 22. Second week in a row, they've given up 22, first to Kent State, now to Missouri. The stat was there have only been two teams to give up 21 or more or 22 or more points to Georgia since the start of last season. One of them at that time was Alabama, one of them was Kent State, and now there are three. Missouri in the SEC East, and I don't expect them to be challenging anybody in the SEC East, showed up at home and decided to put Georgia on front street. Stetson Bennett was 24 of 43, 312 yards, no TDs, also no picks, and he put the ball on the carpet. You can't have that. 
You can't use, you just simply can't have that. Now, I know that there was a dirty hit or what appeared to be a dirty hit on Jalen Carter during this game, and he needed to leave it, but it feels like it's going to be a torn, uh, not torn, a sprained MCL. Use the right, <laughs> right adjective there, RJ. A sprain at MCL, so he might be able to play a little bit later on, but he wanted to go back into the game, and he was not allowed to do so, and that's for the better, right? But you also, you should not need Jalen Carter to play to beat Missouri, and you did. It is not a day where I felt like two weeks ago, hand Georgia the national championship because that's the most dominant team in the country by a large margin, but that's why we keep playing week to week, and that's one of the reasons we have a playoff. That's why we have an SEC championship, and that's why the season is 12 games long. Fascinated to see what it looks like when Georgia plays Tennessee. Fascinated to see what it looks like when Georgia plays Florida. Because now there's blood in the water. And I expect the SEC to come straight at Georgia's neck. Not unlike people are coming at Alabama's neck. We'll talk about that here in a bit. But before we do, let's talk about number five, Clemson, defeating number 10, North Carolina State, 30-20. to 20. Watched a bunch of this game too, right? And what I was really impressed with was how Clemson's defense held up against Devin Leary and that North Carolina State offense. I thought that North Carolina State's defense was going to show up against Clemson, uh, and to some degree it did. But keeping the lid on Devin Leary and that offense is not an easy thing to do. As a matter of fact, it's the first time all year that I looked at Clemson and I said, okay, cool, that, that's a team that can play for a, na a national championship, let alone an ACC championship. DJ Uwe Ungulale out there like Josh Allen light, you know what I mean? getting anything he wants in the run game and taking care of the football, finding guys wide, uh, not wide open in, in tight areas, 21 to 30 for 209 yards and a team high 73 rush yards. Will Shipley was running angry, running mean. It's a lot of fun to watch. And then that defense again, they were able to put the lid back on North Carolina state at death Valley. And what I think is a statement victory for them. I thought perhaps this is the year that North Carolina state gets over Clemson and puts them themselves into the driver's seat to, play in the ACC championship and perhaps win it. And Clemson's saying, no, 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 this is still our conference and we still run it. Doesn't matter that we lost both coordinators, Tony Elliott to Virginia, Brent Venables to Oklahoma. It matters that this is Clemson and we do it this way. And at Death Valley, that is where you do come to die. Okay. They have not lost a game in Death Valley since 2016. Even, I mean, Boston College was up 18 on them. I want to say this is 2020. Yeah. And DJ brought them back in that game too. It's just not, it's not a happy place for visitors. And that's exactly what you want from your home stadium. Dabo Sweeney was jacked before the game. And that, when the lights went out, I was going, okay, cool. All right, Cle Clemson, Clemson's back. And the, in the way that we've been waiting for Texas to get back, Clemson's back. And Clemson's going to be at the front of the line when we come time to decide who the ACC champion is going to be. Okay. The top 25 matchup that had my interest the most Number nine, Oklahoma State defeating number 16, Baylor, 36 to 25, which is just a weird score. But also was the first time all year that I felt about Oklahoma State the way I feel about Michigan. They're for real. Oklahoma State, after week five, is the class of the Big 12 Conference. Wash my mouth with soap. But it's true, right? Like you saw it. I've seen it. I'm also watching Spencer Sanders go through a metamorphosis, and it's actually kind of fun to watch. He's becoming a butterfly, guys. Like, this is a dude that had been a slot machine when it comes to INTs. He's going to throw me one. He's going to throw me two. He's going to throw me three, okay? You were counting on it. I was counting on it. And in this game against a stout Baylor defense, one of the best defenses he'll face all year, he was good. He was 20 of 29, 181 on, on, 
threw the air and a touchdown, threw a pick. Okay, fine. He also ran the ball 14 times, basically scrambling for 75 yards. And I just looked at him. I was going, you're operating out there, man. You're actually putting the ball where it wants to, where you want it to go. And you're getting help. Like the team is following Spencer Sanders. And I want to stress that point. All of those dudes are going all out for him from Brendan Presley uh, to Braylon, from Braylon Presley to Brendan Presley to Jaden Nixon, who ran one back 98 yards to the, his house. Yeah. All of a sudden they're having a lot of fun in Stillwater. And I think going down to Waco and getting this kind of statement victory is tremendous for them. And they should feel great about this. And after last year, second best season that we've seen in the Mike Gundy era, they could be on to the best season in the Mike Gundy era, perhaps win the Big 12 championship and earn a bid to the college football playoff. That'd be fun. Uh, on the Baylor side, it just, they just lack firepower, man. Uh, they can't score more than 25 on an FBS opponent. That's a problem. Like There were folks that looked at my top 25. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Where's Baylor? Show me a team that can score 28, four TDs on, on, a, on an FBS opponent because I don't care about you scoring on Albany. Who is Al- Albany to me except the paycheck for you? You played Brigham Young. You lost that game 26-20. You played Baylor, or you played Oklahoma State. You lost that game 36-25. I need that offense to show up and get right. You can't rely on Dave Aranda and Ron Roberts to just make other teams stay under the, the 20 total. That's just, that's not going to work in this day and age. And it's certainly not going to work for offenses that absolutely can light you up. And you're going to play a few of them here down the road. Okay, from that game to another top 25 matchup in the SEC, we had number 14 Ole Miss hanging on to beat number seven, Kentucky, 22 to 19. My favorite part of this game is that the Ole Miss defense got challenged by their offensive-minded head coach in the locker room. At halftime, Lane Kiffin, who I'm sure never played defense, looked at the defense and said, I don't think y'all are very good. I don't think y'all are very good, and I think we're going to have to go bail you out. The defense heard that and got not one, but two turnovers in the fourth quarter that basically, not basically, that won the game for Ole Miss. Both of those are forced fumbles of Will Levis, who had opportunities to beat Ole Miss at Vaught Hemingway, and those boys came up big for their head coach who challenged them in the locker room. And, you know, big ups to Lane Kiffin, who told that story in the post-game presser, saying, look, I challenged them, and they showed up. And that's what you're going to have to do if you want to be in the conversation. And they are. We're winning the SEC West. Like, we have a great conversation now about Ole Miss, Tennessee being the second, or, or me, which one is the third best team in the SEC. That's great been able to talk about Tennessee in those terms or Ole Miss in those terms quite a time but you also look up and you find out that this is just who Ole Miss has become you know they're like 16 and 3 I believe at home in the last couple of years or is not in the class yeah last two seasons just period 16 and 3 and they also were able to do this with Chris Rodriguez coming back for Kentucky he wasn't bad but he wasn't great you know 19 carries 72 yards and a TD but that was a 1300 yard rusher last year and the Rebels were able to keep him in check they're 5 and 0 for the first time since 2014, now all you got to do is get past Arkansas, Bama, LSU, <laughs> golly, Mississippi State. Talk about it here a minute. SC West, man, it's, it's lethal out there. It's, it's horrible in them streets. Everybody's good. Okay, from that to another SEC West matchup, number two Alabama held off number 20 Arkansas, 49 to 26. This is a game that was interesting on a number of counts. The first one is that Bryce Young ended up leaving the game. Well, what we 
we're told is an ACL sprint, or not ACL sprint, a shoulder sprint, right? We'll find out more about this uh, when we do our mailbag on Tuesday, talk about it as it relates to what we expect from the tie coming forward. But also Jalen Milrow went in there, and everybody got to see the guy that I loved watching at Katie Tompkins in high school. As a matter of fact, if you dig deep on the YouTube channel, you can find an interview that I performed with Jalen Milrow when he was committed to Texas. And we had a conversation about why he had committed to Texas. Later down the road, when Mike Yersich was the offensive coordinator, think about that for a second, he found out that he wasn't the guy. And Steve Sarkeesian, Nick Saban looked up and said, hey, that dude is elusive. That dude is fast. We'll try to teach him some accuracy. And they brought him on down. And he went on him. Like, at a time when Arkansas was closing the gap, looked every bit like getting back in this game and maybe stealing it in the second half, Jalen Milrow ran for 77 yards after shaking a five-star linebacker that was at Alabama and Drew Sammers like a bowl full of jello. And that was Sanders' job. Sanders' job was to spy Jalen Milrow. Barry Odom had in a great position. Jalen Milrow made a play. So he'll, he'll get better, I believe, and get more accurate throwing the ball. But that kind of elusiveness and that kind of speed, you just haven't had in quite some time at the quarterback position at Alabama. I think the comp is Blake Sims, but we'll, we'll continue to talk about that if he needs to play a little bit further on down the line. The Tide looked vulnerable. Everybody's coming after him. Arkansas played to win. Team plays hard, man. Team plays hard. Like They, they got that onside kick recovery, and I thought if they got seven, they're going to have an opportunity to win the game. They were held to three. But it's just, it's just hard to play in the SEC West. Like, Kirby Smart always wants to tell everybody that the SEC is hard. You know, when they take an L to South Carolina that they shouldn't take, when Will Muschamp Jackson for his hedges at home, or when Eli Drinkwitz absolutely puts the screws down, the SEC is hard. Nah, dog. The SEC West is hard. Top to bottom, don't nobody want them problems. And yet, here's Arkansas, the last three years, giving everybody the business as much as they can. Then they leave the conference, and they end up showing up other people. I, like, I would wonder what an Arkansas might do in the Big 12. Probably win the league. Right in the SEC West, they might be the fourth best team. That's wild. That's wild. All right, some quick hitters, just real quick. Mississippi State rolled Texas A&M forty-two to twenty-four. I gotta ask, good Lord Aggies, what what the hell? I don't. Who are you? Tell us, because I don't know. I thought I knew at the preseason, I don't anymore. Feel free to tell me who you are, because Mississippi State beating you like a drum. I did not have that on the bingo card. Okay, you know what else I did have on the bingo card? Purdue. Beating Minnesota 20 to 10. Now I'm very high on Minnesota, but I want a caveat here. First one is this is where Purdue does. Like the, Purdue says, Oh, you got a number next to your, your name? Cool. We are going to jack you for your for your cookies. We're gonna empty your pockets on TV. They got three ranked wins last year, right? They went nine games this year. They're like, you know what? We haven't done it this year yet. We haven't knocked off somebody with a number next to their name. Let's get right on that. Let's do that to Minnesota. And they couldn't have picked a better week. Muhammad Ibrahim was unable to play in that game. When Muhammad Ibrahim plays Minnesota this year, they're averaging 295 on the ground. When Muhammad Ibrahim didn't play this year, say Purdue, they went 26 rushes for 47 yards. That dude is the offense. Tanner Morgan threw three interceptions in this game. You need that dude to be the offense. I'll be curious what it looks like when he comes back, but obviously with the schedule that Minnesota has left, I still think that they could be a one-loss team and still represent the Big Ten West. It's just not a great it's not, it's not a great look, even if it is Purdue. Number 22, Wake Forest defeats number 23, Florida State. Basically, it's Wake Forest, UNC, Syracuse, NC State, all trying to challenge 
to get in that other spot to play in the ACC championship game. I'm so glad we got rid of division. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then Kansas. Kansas defeats Iowa State 14 to 11. Another funky name. <laughs> funky score. 5 0 for the first time since 2009. And on a weekend where OU Texas is traditionally the matchup everybody is looking forward to. We got 5-0 Texas Christian traveling to 5-0 Lawrence, Kansas to play the Jayhawks for what feels like the other spot next to Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship for conference supremacy. If I did not have such a fondness for Lance Leipold and the Kansas Jayhawks, I might feel some kind of way about that. Matter of fact, on Saturday, I still might feel some kind of way about that. But I did not expect to, one, be a dog going into a game against Texas at Baja, Oklahoma, a.k.a. Dallas. And I certainly didn't expect two teams show up 10-0, combined 10-0 in Lawrence, Kansas, October 8th. But I'm here for it because producer Tyler's been way ahead on this. And I think in this way, we can make him the soothsayer. The last time we had a weird year like this one, or what feels like a weird year like this, was 2007. Kansas, number three team in the country, played in the Orange Bowl. I'm here for it. If, 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 that is, if that is what is within reach, go chase it. I'm all for this. I love this. Great football team, great fan base, and we're all having a lot of fun rooting for Kansas. Matter of fact, Iowa City, every screen I saw had Kansas football on. <laughs> That's their second team. That's their side chick. That's their side man. I'm with it. I'm with it. With Kansas is your side piece. You're having a good time. All right. Let's go through my top 25 against the AP top 25. I moved Ohio State to number one. They were dominant against Rutgers. They won 49 to 10. It's the nice straight time that they dropped 49 or more on Rutgers. Yikes. But also Rutgers started the season 3-0. Really good win against Boston College. And that defense is coming into its own. Right, The defense is not the liability that it has seemed to be in years past. You'll see at the end of the game, there's a kerfuffle where we got Greg Schiano absolutely finger-pointing at Ryan Day in the post-game handshake. What had happened was Aaron Crookshanks decided, I'm going to run a fake that nobody called. <laughs> Ran a fake, postured at the sideline at Rutgers. He got ejected, and then Greg Schiano took some offense to all of that, thinking that you know that was the play call, but Ryan Day's like, nah, he just he freelanced that one. Uh, but also get your hand out of my face. And then later, hey, no hard feelings. He's defending his sideline. He's defending his team. We'll keep it moving from there. But it's great content. Other team that we got to talk about is Georgia dropping to three. For two straight weeks, Georgia hadn't looked dominant. That was the whole point of them being number one. Because you remember, I started Alabama number one like everybody else. And Alabama's looked, dare I say it, vulnerable but not so vulnerable as to not be the number two team in the country, right? That Arkansas game showed, showed a lot. That Texas game showed a lot. They've been challenged, and they have stood up to those challenges. I feel like if you would have put Tennessee next to Georgia on Saturday night, Tennessee walks away with a W, where Missouri barely walks away with a four-point loss, okay? Whatever's going on in Athens, ain't too many the SEC's hard going to get go get it done, Kirby. That's just not going what it's going to be. They expect the building of a dynasty, okay? That's what it's going to have to be. I'm looking forward to the SEC East and how this goes because they still got to play three teams that are good, man. Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida. Woo! I'm looking forward to this. All right. UCLA comes in at number 14 in my rankings, at number 18 in the AP Top 25. 
UCLA had a dominant win against Washington. Uh, they went 42-30. to They're 5-0. and It was a team that seemed easy to dismiss because they damn near fumbled the bag and it became the latest contestant on Money in the Bag, which I would like to say it's a sponsor segment now because that's how we do over here at the number one college football show. But also, UCLA was down to South Alabama in Pasadena in front of a, a very empty stadium. So I was like, all right, cool. They play somebody, I'll pay attention. They played somebody. They played what was considered the number 15 team in the country in Washington. And me not having them in my tears, all of a sudden Washington fans had things to say. Say them now. Please. Go back and read your mentions. Let me know. Where is Washington? Because last I checked, it's in Seattle. Okay? Meanwhile, Big Ten going to be pretty strong here next year. UCLA undefeated 5-0. USC undefeated 5-0. Yikes, Pac-12. All right. Also in here, Kansas is ranked. All right. One of the things that happens on this show is I say something. And uh, not unlike Gus Johnson giving somebody a cool-ass nickname like Hollywood Brown or Chuck Sizzle. And I'm the person over here saying, expand the playoff, you cowards. But first it was rank X, you cowards. Some years it's Arkansas, who ends up being a good football team. This year, it's Kansas. So now I got ranked Kansas, you cowards. Billboards around, T-shirts around. Ain't nobody calling me up. Ain't nobody calling me up to say, hey, hey, number one college football show, Fox Sports. We appreciate what y'all are doing to get the word out that we're being slept on by saying rank and then calling somebody a coward because then they got a man up. Okay? That's all. That's all I'm saying. You got a man up and you got to say that out loud. They manned up. They ranked the Kansas Jayhawks. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this. It was a nasty game. It was a nasty win. But you know what? You're going to have to get some nasty wins if you want to get to 10, 11, maybe even 12 wins. Shout out to Kansas Jayhawks sitting there at number 19 in my ranking and in the AP ranking. But that, that ain't what y'all want to talk about, I'm sure. I'm sure it's something else. I haven't checked the mentions on, on the social about my top 25. So I've been flying. All right. Alabama reclaimed the number one spot in uh, Associated Press's top <laughs> And they also in the AP top 25, and I'm going for what, for why, for who. If you lose to, or excuse me, lose, if you barely beat Texas 2019, and we all figured out Texas is not as good as, say, Michigan, Clemson, Tennessee, Oklahoma State, Penn State, USC, pick one. I got a problem with that. Because we all thought that Notre Dame was good. They had a number next to their name, you know. And all Ohio State has done since then is stomp a mud hole and people then walk it dry. I choose to take exception to that, but you know what? If you're in the top three, you get to play for the college football playoff national championship, and I would very much watch Ohio State play Alabama right now. Give me that 1-3 matchup because I think the Buckeyes are walking away with a W. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks, as always, to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak, our senior producer, Catherine Donnelly, our director, John Marcus, our social media maven, Javion Duncan, our lead of screening, Rachel Cohn, and that is Gabe on the live switches for us. I always love it when we do it live, and it always takes a lot of hands to do it live, and I know that you love it when we do it live. So my thanks to Gabe for joining us, uh, and we will be back on Tuesday for Spaces with Jeff Schwartz and 
going to do our mailbag on Thursday. So send us your questions now. Send us your opinions now. Producer Tyler will pick the best of them, and we'll see what you got to show. And also, if you go, if you go tweet at the show, at least unblock me. You know? All right. That's it for me. Deuces. <laughs>